guys, welcome to the Paddler's Playbook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Podcast Land. Thermal convection, man. These dudes almost killed me. You know, redfish are really dumb. How do you take your marsh dump? This fool used all my toilet paper. Bro, bye. Well, now that Drew's done dragging this on. TPP 15. You gonna get a dozen shrimp? Hey, you throwing that cast net again this weekend? Oh, good lord. I almost died. I do not want to paddle that far. Once again, he almost died. <laughs> I'm not waking up at the butt crack of dawn. I'll see you at the launch around noon. I love wake baits. Haven't you ever heard them chatter? Let me double back here for a second. And now, a word from Saltside Jess. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the paddle. Check out our sponsors. No, like, check out our sponsors. Check out our sponsors. Today, the guys are joined by Nick the Marsh Ninja from Nick's Fly Fishing to bring to you a newcomer's guide to fly fishing. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land to another edition of the paddler's playbook we are finally thawed out here in texas we had that crazy winter storm chris i think our show is gonna be the cause of the apocalypse man um why is that well we 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 started the show and then we had the covid everybody had the covid like (laughs) the show was a result of the covid obviously (laughs) but yeah okay what you're saying that our last show was the one year anniversary and you know Texas pretty much fro- yes apocalypse hell froze over um we 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 were freezing there was ice and snow and you know I got to use my four wheel drive that was fun I got to get out and drive and that stuff um I, I'm now confident in my snow driving <laughs> it, we'll send you up to Iowa for a couple of weeks, and you let us know uh, if you're confident in your snow driving. Well, uh, in 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 Iowa and all that, they have plows and they have trucks and everything they, else going on, right? They do, but let me tell you, my son spent four years up there, and he still struggles with it. It's uh, it it takes a lot of time. I understand you do have some confidence; you built up some confidence. But let me tell you, man, whenever it comes down to, uh, to driving in snow and ice, it takes a very special type of person. I, I, I don't want to do it. I don't no. want to. I don't want to see that crap anymore. That's why we live here. Yeah. I mean, once every 10 years is plenty. And I think we've had snow the past two years in a row. But we've never had snow like that that I can remember. Or, or we've never had temperatures like that that i can remember because this has been the worst since 89 um yeah were you not okay so you can't remember 89 i was five i barely remember what i had for breakfast and i I remember 89 very vividly man um i think that was my eighth grade year yeah i was in eighth grade and um man we we tore it up dude we had such a blast in 89 i mean uh the ice was was thick, thick, thick. All the trees had had icicles off of them. They were, you know, it was like something you'd see out of a movie. Um, how much ice was just everywhere. This this thing that blew through here. I mean, I'm a little bit further south than you guys, so mm-hmm. I think it might have stayed a little bit warmer down here. 
um, my house never got below like 50 degrees. I think without, the low without electricity on. Yeah, without electricity, my house. We got here. We had to come save Spike, our bearded dragon. We thought he may die. If it gets below 60 degrees, they can they can pass away. So that's when I drove in the worst of it to come back and get Spike and take him back up to work because I stayed two nights, three nights at work um, just to make sure that the residents were taken care of. But we got here, and the house was at 60, and uh, he was a little lethargic, so we got him in the truck and and warmed him up but i don't i don't want to deal with those temperatures it seems like i mean it's still way 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 too early but it seems like that we the coast may have been spared a little bit here in texas as far as a huge huge fish kill with these really cold temperatures i know i've been seeing some reports like rockport south that they yeah. they're having a little more more dead fish wash up right now but it seemed like sabine galveston freeport matagorda it wasn't too too bad but it's still way way too early to tell well that's that's pretty much what we're seeing is that um even the palacious area matagorda area um did really really well there were a lot of people that went out you know not i mean guys if you're listening to this podcast you are addicted to the fish and the water as much as we are and the people that we're connected to and connected with on social media and in our lives, they're all addicted. So it's not a surprise that during a snow apocalypse, people are outside walking along the shorelines, checking on the fish. And I saw a lot of reports of people in the Palacios Matagorda area um, that were basically saying there were no fish kills in that area. Galveston, a lot of people saying no fish kills in Galveston. Um, but Rockport, Aransas, that area got hit pretty hard, man. And I'm, I'm wondering, um, man, about their, their grass and their mangrove that they've been trying to repopulate down there. Um, you know, how well their, their, uh, vegetation did. Yeah. I mean, cause it could kill off a lot of that grass and stuff. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about that, about the vegetation. I mean, because that's going to affect the, the whole ecosystem as far as, as the fish. I, I think, though, that with the flounder uh, having the off-season this year coming up, and if there are, you know, trout are the least hardy of fish, if we did have some, some trout die, I think that the flounder may have a really big bounce back um, after this storm for, from everything going on. And that's just truly speculation. Only because... So, you know what I've been saying about flounder, right? For like the past couple of years. That they're not on the decline? Well... Uh, I don't think they're on the decline, but not, Texas not Parks and Wildlife does. No, my, my opinion is that the flounder have not left. And that's why we see more... Um, and larger flounder why people are like oh the population is healthy yeah because they're not leaving because they we haven't had um that strong northern come through we haven't had a good strong northern like i'm talking in order to move flounder you need like three consecutive three to four consecutive days of 
40 degree temperatures in order to drop that water temperature and push the water out of the bays and estuaries. It's got to be able to push that water out. Um, and it's got to be consistent with the cold. Um, sometimes we have, you know, northerns that come through and they're not that strong as far as temperature concern is mm-hmm. concerned, but there's a lot of wind that may push the water out. Um, but it doesn't change the, change the temperature. What we just got, if you were concerned about the flounder not moving <laughs> before, <laughs> they gone, man. They gone. Yeah. <laughs> they well, here. Yeah. And what uh, Roy told us from the flounder episode, I, I, I sent him a text and, you know, he, he commercially fishes for flounder. He says they haven't really shown up in numbers back into the bays and, and where he usually sees them before this Arctic front. So, you know, they were still they were still out or they were still in deeper water. They they weren't in uh in some of the shallower water where some of these fish kills may have been happening. So I think we'll be all right on the flounder. I know for a fact that this pushed back the white bass, because I went out white bass fishing today and the water temp was forty degrees whenever I got there. It warmed up to 44. That's some it, cold it warmed, water. warmed up to 44. <laughs> it warmed up to 44 with the sun shining and 65 degree temperatures. But man, we're, we're, we're thawed out. We're warmed up. You know, we've got a great guest on deck here. Chris, you got anything you want to talk about before we get into Jessica and talking about real sportswear and ACK and Hardy Fishing is going to sponsor this one, man. If that gives you any indication on what this episode's about, man, um, no, I'm ready. I'm ready to get uh, get our pal, our buddy, on online, man, and and get him in here and talk to him. Um, you know, I'm I'm in the in the midst of building a special relationship with this fellow, so uh, and we'll talk all about it. <laughs> well, he he said he's got a few stories about whenever you guys went fishing, and I I haven't heard these yet, so they're going to be interesting. I'm going to make sure that those stories never happen ever again. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, also Chris isn't going to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it. We are very close to our first YouTube giveaway. We need to build oh. on this YouTube. We are very 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 close. And I got to ask Chris, Chris, do you want to build a snowman? (laughs) Do you want to go fishing? (laughs) Those reels are hilarious on our Instagram, paddlers underscore playbook. If you guys aren't following those, you know, Chris wasn't about social media really. And he used to give me all kinds of about taking selfies um nah not about selfies man i'm the selfie king bro i love well, selfies man you used I'll, I'll to give like me doing duck lips and everything you used to give me hell about taking uh selfies in front of the shower curtain this well, this was this was years and years and years ago that's because your grandma handed that shower curtain <laughs> down to you from 1956 <laughs> but but now chris is making the funniest updates and reels on Instagram uh, for the show. So guys, make sure you check out the paddlers underscore playbook. Make sure to check out our Facebook page. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure to give us a five-star review. I was telling Chris, we've got to have some haters out there or something, man. We've got a two-star review. 
and he didn't even leave his name didn't or didn't even yeah, say why yeah. we sucked. I mean, if you're going to leave us a two-star, at least, at least tell us why we suck. Or just say you suck. Yeah, just say you two suck. Something like that. But you know what doesn't suck? ACK, Hardy, and Real Sportswear. Hey, bro staff. With all this talk of conservation in the air and anglers promoting CPR, what better way to spread the word and get the message out there than Real Sportswear's Cut or Loose Tee? This classic white and black design is the perfect fishing tee for every him or her. Cut or Loose and Tie One On will soon be a fishing long sleeve must have in your closet. And since we're tying one on, how about you try your hand at tying some flies? Fly fishing is on the move, guys. And the word is that hardy fly fishing gear is where it's at. Based in Alanoic, England, they have been handcrafting innovative fly gear since their formation in 1872. And they are still recognized as the finest fly rods and reels in the world. Hardy fly gear is for those who require the finest and will not settle for anything else. And now that you're geared up and looking good, let's get over and get you a boat. But wait, you say, I can't get a boat? Fine, let ACK help you build a boat. That's right, build a boat with new Johnny Boat Bass 100 with Johnny Pod Fixed Motor Package. If you're a DIY kind of guy, Johnny Boat blends this classic concept with the modern boat and kayak technology, offering highly customizable base model ready for multiple outfitting options, whether you choose to paddle or fit it with a motor. From DIY or ready to go off the shelves, find the Johnny Boat that's good for you. All right, that's it for me, bro staff. As always, stay out there, stay fishing. I'm Saltside Jess, and I'll catch you on the salt side. Hey, Jess, thanks a lot. You know, um, Real Sportswear has got some new digs coming, man. So I hope that Jess didn't let any cats out of the bag on that one. But Uh, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. I know you've been waiting for this. It's warming up. Texas is no longer frozen over. And you know what that means? Spring is right around the corner. And with spring comes a little bit of fly fishing on the coast. You know it. And ladies and gentlemen, tonight's guest, or today's guest, whatever time it is that you're listening to this broadcast, (laughs) he's known by the fishing ninja. All right? Or at least that's what I call him. Homie, homie looks like he's he's literally doing some ninja shit on the front of that that kayak that he's got. Hey, he's, the cover the cover for this episode is gonna be the one where he's looking like a ninja on the front of that Diablo. Because when he's right, like man. that, it's either that or I, in my head I hear Mission Impossible. Like I hear bump 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 bump. But but now but now after following him on Instagram and everything, it's it's definitely not Mission Impossible. It's got to be like Biggie or Pac or something because he always has the hip hop going in all of his videos. Well, if you're wondering who this is, okay, um, this is a good friend of ours, and we still don't know how to say his name, even though he's a good friend of ours. Um, but he goes I can say Nick. his first name. Nick? 
underscore fly underscore fishing on Instagram. And if you guys haven't checked out his Instagram, you got to because the dude is constantly running reels, constantly running running new new media out there on his Instagram, and it's fantastic. Um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Nick. Hey guys, that's all, how you that's doing? all I got is Nick because that's I don't all know you. That's all you best get. Nick. Look, best I'm Nick. Gonna, I'm going to drop my real name right now, okay? So you ready for this? It's a conversation starter. It's Bisnik Hajia. Bisnik Hajia. Bisnik Hajia. Yes, it's of Albanian origin. Um, but everyone calls me Nick. The people who know me well call me by my first name, but that's another story. Like family members and people from, from your homeland and things like homeland, that. Yeah, but people get to know me fairly uh, well, end up calling me by that. Cause they, because they because Americans they, will be like, will be like, oh, okay, we'll just call you, okay, we'll call you Bob. Well, well, you know what? Here's the other thing, guys. It makes them look really cool when they pronounce my name. How about that? There you go. Now, you, you said homeland from your accent. You're from what, North Texas? Oklahoma, right? It's Arkansas. Yeah, it's the Texarkana area right there. <laughs> when, I'm originally when from first, the. <laughs> when when he first met me, man, when we first met, I was like, "Yo, you got some pizzoli or something?" What's yeah. hey? How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> uh, no, I'm originally. I was uh, born and raised in Bronx, New York, uh, New York City, and then eventually made it to the great country of Texas. Uh, been here ever since. Right, that's right. The great country yeah, of Texas. Yeah, best country in the world. So I'm glad that you know he's telling us a little bit about where he's from. You know what what he you know where he grew up because you got to tell us is there a most memorable memory fishing? <laughs> hey, hey, you're stealing my thunder, hey, man. Hey, 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 hey look down. at this guy. Hey. hey. <laughs> Don't 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 count Drew out on this conversation, okay? <laughs> there you go. All right, Nick, hey. tell us about your most memorable fishing memory, <laughs> or most, you know, your your earliest Boston. your earliest fishing memory. Is there fishing in Boston. Your most memorable catch, something like that. Boston is Boston even still exists? Anyway, uh, that's a joke, Boston. I'm only messing around. Uh, you know, I'd say I'm you know I'm going to start with the most memorable, but because you know I've been fishing i'm i'm 47 years old guys no one really knows that but i'm 47 been fishing all my life fly fishing since about 1995 so uh, i have a lot of memories but there's there's just this one memory of catching my first tarpon and uh, a friend of mine had a skiff i was out in tampa actually tampa florida and he calls me up he's like hey what are you doing tonight I'm like, nothing. He goes, you want to go fishing? I said, who, who goes fishing at night? He goes, well, we're going for tarpon. I said, well, who goes fishing at night for tarpon? He goes, everybody does. I said, all right, come pick me up. We'll go fishing for tarpon. Well, anyway, we get out to these areas, he knows, and we start fishing. And all of a sudden, we start seeing tarpon all along the shoreline. And I start to freak out because I've never seen one in real life. Now what and what state what state were you guys in? Florida, yeah. Florida. Tampa. Florida. Okay. Tampa. He said Tampa. Okay. Sorry. I, Sorry. Uh, when you listen back to this, I said Tampa and then I said Florida. So. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, pay attention, please. This is very hard for me. Um, <laughs> so we listen. We get out there. I hook seven tarpon, and and every single one of them, 
the leader bus. And my buddy tied all seven leaders, so he's upset. I'm pissed off. Okay, night's ruined. I go Is back. This- can I ask a question real quick? Yeah, yeah. Is this conventional gear or? Oh, I'm or sorry. No, this is fly. This is straight up fly. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Okay. Straight up on the fly. I haven't touched the conventional in I don't know when. So uh, he calls me later. He says, hey, let's go. Let's go out. I'm like, well, you know, we were just out. He's like, no, we're going again. Let's go. We go back out. And this time I tie my own leader. <laughs> my own leader. I see two tarpon. One is really big. And the other one is about half the size of it. So naturally, I'm like, I'm going after the big one. So I'm sitting there shaking. Again, I'm casting to a tarpon. Never seen one before other than the night, that night. And I make this long cast, about 50, 60 feet. I had, and it's a shrimp fly that I tied. And all of a sudden, I start doing some slow strips, really slow strips. And the big tarpon starts coming behind it. Now, naturally, you know what you're thinking. Is this thing going to eat it or is he going to take off? And all of a sudden, he just took off like a torpedo. Excuse me, took off like a torpedo and he swallowed it. Just whoop. And I'm setting the, the, the line. I'm strip setting. I'm tugging on the rod. And this thing is gone to the backing. And he's screaming just, this is the real screaming gone. So after about 40 minutes or so, get him to the boat. My buddy Pulls him in. He was under 40 inches because in Florida, you can't pull tarpon in over 40 inches. Um, and, I'm, and I'm holding this thing, but I was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit something on this show. I was terrified to hold it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this thing is just, the mouth is like hard, hard, hard sandpaper. And he's like, grab it by the mouth and just hold it by the tail. And I'm holding this thing. He's taking pictures, boom, boom. We put the fish back in the water revive it and it just explodes off after that i was ruined i was ruined i bet yeah okay before before i ask this question Uh, um chris did he say how long the fight took 40 minutes (laughs) okay sorry i just wanted to make sure before i asked Drew, Drew but, guys, if, it, if it this could've, it, it could have been 10 minutes that felt like 40. <laughs> well, it was it, it, for those who know what I'm talking about. It was on an eight weight rod. Uh, it could handle that fish, but it, it took a little it took a little pull. But if there's going to be tests throughout this podcast, I'm just going to fail every single one of them. I don't even want to bother with it. <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, first test. OK, how much was a 40 inch? Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> Uh, well, what does a Florida law state oh, about hey, hey. tarpon? Did you say 40 foot? Uh, 40, 40 inches. 40 inch tarpon, 40 minutes. How much wow. does a 40 inch tarpon weigh? I didn't even I didn't even uh, put that together. That's pretty cool. I like that. If a woodchuck could chuck wood. <laughs> well, these these first few uh, questions should be easy for you because they're about you and you could make up whatever the hell you wanted to. Oh, I'm, I'm going to make up stuff. We, would, we wouldn't know the difference. Well, hold on, Chuck. I know you got a question, Drew. Um, or did you already ask your question? <laughs> you yeah, said, I yeah. got a question, but before I ask a question, hold I on. Have, I have my, my second question that I always okay. ask every well, guest, but go question. ahead. Um okay so his buddy him and his buddy they went out fishing okay they went night fishing and they he had they had enough time to fish that that nick caught eight tarpon or hooked into eight tarpon and lost eight liters now they left they put i mean they put the boat back on the trailer and they left they went back to their their homes and or wherever they were staying 
And later that night, his buddy called him and said, we're going to do this again right now. When Drew and I go fishing, after we're done, we're done. We go, do, do we want to fish tomorrow? And we're like, nah. <laughs> no. Hey, nah. I'm no. tired. <laughs> Let's drive back home. Yeah. Hey, gentlemen, it never let me tell you something with tarpon. Let's say specifically tarpon. You there is not there, there's never just I've had enough. I mean, it's like you it's like you hooked a Mack truck going a hundred miles an hour and you're trying to hold on to it. It's absolutely one of the most amazing things I've ever done. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that and been on the pod and that and that and meeting you guys. There you go at the at the bro staff meetup, man. That was I'm that scoring was awesome brownie to points. See you there, there you go. Come get some <laughs> of them tacos. Some get some of them tacos. Oh my god, man! <laughs> shout Ooh, out, that was so... shout out to Kyle, the taco oh. man. Kyle is the man. He can cook. I mean, fr- what, fr- what was that guy's name? Uh, okay, so it was Kyle Pyro. he had a flamethrower he had a flamethrower you know with this um weather that we had with all that ice uh jessica was like see this is another reason why i need a flamethrower like kyle's it's another reason hey wolfgang christmas no wolfgang puck ain't got shit on kyle i'll tell you that right now there you go all right question number two your first kayak what was it and how did you get into kayak fishing? So, my very first kayak that I ever owned was a Diablo Paddle Sports Chupacabra. That's the this, kayak that you're currently paddling. Yeah, that's the kayak I still have. Um, I've gotten some other ones, like the Diablo Amigo, actually, I bought from my son. I use at the Devil's River and stuff. And I also have a NRS Heron inflatable paddleboard, which I chased tarpon with in Florida in July. Um, but yes, I still paddle on the Chupacabra. Um, same, same one that you bought originally. Absolutely, the same exact. This is one. a rarity, ladies and gentlemen. This is a rarity because I only I don't know like change. One other person, I only know one other person that's still <laughs> using the same kayak that they originally bought, and um, everyone else that I know, they they change their kayaks almost as much as Drew and I do. Who uh, is that person? Colin Elliott. He, finally, he bought a Hobie. He, yeah. he just bought a Hobie. Yeah. You know what? You know what did it? When I took him to Louisiana and I made him uh, use my Outback. Use the Outback. And he made it across That's a sweet lake in like in like five minutes. <laughs> it was like two miles of lake, right? And he made it across and he's like, dude, I was able to pedal and smoke <laughs> a cigarette and drink a beer. <laughs> Hey, I, oh, I tell you what, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, having a pedal kayak opens so many new doors is just, I, I'll have to explain something to you guys about, I, 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 it's not that I don't like change, is that the Chupacabra weighs 58 pounds, it's 10 and a half feet long, it's easy to transport, easy to take anywhere, and floats in absolutely inches, and when I mean inches, I'm talking about I can get in within inches of water in the back lakes of the marsh, and get to where the Reds are hiding. As a matter of fact, uh, the Wednesday before the storm hit, the ice storm, I went to Matagorda. Where were all the Reds? All in the back lakes. They were everywhere. I mean, they were smashing everything. This is also the ABS plastic, right? Yes, it's a thermoform. No, the the polyethylene is the Amigo. Amigo. 
Yes, and the chupacabra and the adios, which is the big brother of the chupacabra, is a thermoformed ABS. So what you guys don't know, if you're not familiar with ABS, thermofold or thermoformed ABS plastic kayaks, is that they're fast. Man, they, they ride high. Fast. They glide over that water. They've got, they're super hydrophobic. So they don't, they will not take any water into that plastic at all. The poly E, believe it or not, takes a little bit of plastic and a little bit of water into the plastic. It absorbs uh, slightly. Yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, that ABS plastic man and over oyster, straight over oyster. Yeah. Don't have to worry yeah. about it gouging up or scratching up the bottom of your, your hole. Um, I'm, I'm, but I'm just surprised that you, you know, you haven't wavered. You haven't, changed much uh, it's, and you're still it, using that thing regularly no nah, chris because uh in my opinion i've researched so many kayaks before i got the uh the chupacabra from austin canoe and kayak um i researched so many and this one from my style of fly fishing i'm i'm side casting i am actually stalking the redfish i'm looking for it i'm not blind casting i do blind cast but for what I wanted to do. And again, like you said, it's, it's very light. It's 58 pounds. It glides really high in the water. Um, it, it is a wide kayak. It's 37 inches wide in it. It, it doesn't paddle as fast as what you guys me, might be used to, but it fits my personality. Now, if I have to go a long distance, I will get pissed off. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it's fun. It's fun. I really like it. Um, I've, I've I will move on, though. His... I will move on. I've seen some of his waypoints and where he fishes at Drew. And no, you didn't. I, yeah, <laughs> and I'm wondering, I'm wondering what he considers uh, far, because from from the launch points to some of the waypoints that he's shown me, I'm like, dude, that's a long ass way. I, I will. So paddle. what's far? And if I Chris mean, is saying long, it's if Chris is like, that's a long way. That's a long friggin' way. Like that's, that's a long way for for a ten foot kayak. Yeah, for yeah. a chupacabra. I mean, yeah, foot, you're not yeah. going that fast. You can keep up with a lot of people. You can probably sustain four miles an hour, but it's still a ten foot kayak. I mean, um, I'm I'm using I'm using a, a, a two hundred and fifty length uh, paddle. I mean, you you need that extra length because how wide it is, or, or more. You know, two fifty and up. But the thing is, uh, what what's far for me? maybe at paddling just straight paddling to get to a spot maybe three miles that's not bad i mean, I mean no, yeah but in, 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 a, in a kayak in the wind you're trying to get cover i mean i think any any paddle kayak in the wind is just death i mean i cannot stand the wind uh but i have fun with it i go everywhere with it except the devil's river i'll never take it to the devil's river because of the thermal formed abs and the harsh conditions it, yeah. It, it, it's like fiberglass. It'll just crack. Um, that's where the Amigo comes in. I mean, you could drop the Amigo off the Empire State Building and the thing will still be fine. Uh, I don't know <laughs> about that. Come on. Let me exaggerate a little bit. Please. They're so they're so flat. They're flat, man. It would just yeah, kind of, yeah. it would whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> but, like a but, feather. You know, yep. <laughs> when, and, and Chris, you're right. You did come up with the term Marsh Ninja. You are the first one. I've been called Marsh Cat. I've been called worse. But the stability is absolutely in, in in my opinion is unmatched i mean it's just absolutely amazing well I mean, some of us like to think that we are um light on our feet and mm -hmm. very agile yeah um, especially drew drew is like you know he he considers himself very feline 
when it comes to standing in a kayak. Bro, like I'm like, I'm like, like Kung Fu. I'm like Kung Fu Panda. Ha! Dude, I'm <laughs> flipping and I can throw my cast net. What's up? You just yeah, don't you know. He can be He can be the fishing ninja. I'll be Kung Fu Panda of the kayak. I thought I thought Chris was going to say Drew that you do the ballerina dance, the little ball, ballerina pose when you're on the kayak. Is he pirouette on his bow? <laughs> hey. But you keep that between me and you. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, and, and again what I did was before I bought the Chupacabra, I had rented it at Austin Canoe and Kayak, and I immediately fell in love with it. I went to the Lano River on it, and it was absolutely amazing. Now, what got me into kayaking? How did I get into kayaking? Well, there's one guy responsible for that, and his name is Joe Novi, formerly known as the Fugly Fly. <laughs> and so, so how Joe and I met was I was at a fly shop in Canyon Lake called Real Fly, and I was booking a trip to the Devil's River to go on a guided trip. Well, Joe, who I had met briefly about a year ago, walks in and he hears us talking. He goes, I'll go on that trip. I'm like, who the hell are you? <laughs> anyway, we start talking, blah, blah, blah. We get to know each other better. He has a feel free. He goes out to Lando and he goes to local rivers. And he keeps telling me, he's like, man, you're missing out. You're missing out. You're missing out. I was like, ah, whatever, whatever. Finally, he's like, look. Rent a kayak. Let's go to the Lano and check it out. After that, it was it was all over with. The Marsh Ninja was born. <laughs> now you you keep talking about the Diablos and the Chupacabra. Yeah. And yeah. So for for someone who wants to get into fly fishing, or for someone who may already be a fly fisherman, mm -hmm. but now they want to get into kayaking, what type of features? on that Diablo or just in kayaks in general, would you steer people towards if they want fly fishing to be their main method of catching fish? Right. Great question. Uh, so here's the deal. I'm a minimalist. I like things nice and clean. Um, if I go on a kayak, I'm taking maybe a small soft cooler or my uh, angle 30 quart to sit on as a seat. So here's the deal. I like everything clean, no hangups. I remove my foot pegs. Uh, on my Chupacabra, Diablo has a, uh, a deck cover. It's like a sheathing, like um, I don't know what it's made out of, some kind of vinyl or something, but it attaches to the front of the kayak and you drape it over. It covers the hatch and everything. So what I look for is clean. Nothing, if I hook a monster fish or any fish, there's nothing from my line which is draped down on the deck because the deck is wide open and clean, right? No hangups. I want my line just to go. Nothing to get caught up. If, if your line gets caught, caught up on anything, it's because you're stepping on it, maybe. But that's about it. But just everything nice and clean and open. Some people use stripping baskets on the kayak. I don't. I don't do that. It's that's too just much. More, that's just more crap. It's just, care. yeah, it's just more crap. So, um, again, I keep it light. I keep the weight on my kayak light. And uh, I have a rod holder I take sometimes. It's behind me. Um, I do have a, a anchor cleat. But the anchor line is always in there. So my line never gets hung up on that. I I'm not concerned about it. But again, if someone was going to go towards something for fly fishing, open deck, clean, nothing to hang up on. So you have the Mayfly, you have the Diablo. Yeah, yeah. Is there, are there any other ones that are more specifically designed for 
new canoe. fly fishing the new yeah. oh, new canoe is one yeah new canoe is an awesome kayak i mean and it's really wide and open i actually really like that kayak for that specific reason and there's lots of room there's lots of room for it there's a lot you can do with it um there's crescent kayaks okay crescent makes it's called the sup plus it's like a it is a paddleboard with a yeah with a slight little curve and it kind of looks like a surfboard in a way a uh, little slight bend to it and i'm telling you what i took that thing uh to matagorda one time in in uh drew you know where i'm talking about in the swamp alligator area and it it just outperformed it was amazing absolutely st- stable open deck nothing to hang up on i use my cooler as my seat and that's pretty much it rod cooler uh, excuse me rod cooler and the sup so paddle boards, I think, are absolutely superior whenever it comes to hundred percent, hundred percent. With the exception to some of the narrower fiberglass paddle boards, I've got a twelve mm-hmm. foot that's very similar to like the um, the boat. Um, oh man, the Rackham? No, it's not the Rackham. The um, Ahab. Oh uh, yeah. So, okay. Mine's very similar to the Ahab, but it's a little bit narrower than the Ahab. It's called a Poseidon. And, right. Um, man, it can get out from underneath you real fast. Yeah, it is. It, well, yeah, it's like stepping on a surfboard. If you're not careful, yeah. it's just going to come out underneath you. Yeah. Um, um, and you said you had an NRS uh, yes. inflatable, right? Oh, okay. I love it. I've got to ask you, do you really love it? Dude, I already know what you're gonna say, man. I don't want to. I already heard the episode "Inflatables buy once" and blah blah blah. I I no, I, no, I, memorize, no. I memorize. Hey, I memorize <laughs> yeah, your guys' podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> dude, like, he's gonna get through the microphone, choke me or something. No, I wasn't gonna say anything like that. Actually, I, I know. Was I know. Say, I was gonna say they are a to turn around. Um, for uh, some reason, I, I have a hard time. In order for me to get a good turn on a an inflatable in fact the nrs like you were talking about i I've demoed it a couple of times um i have to stand aft like way far aft in order for right. it to get a really good dig and turn where if i'm fishing i've got gear back there so i don't want to have to walk back to the yeah the back yeah. of the paddleboard um, well yeah. i think it has something to do with the with the way that the fin and the fact that the inflatable flexes a lot. Well, he, he, here's the thing, and that's what I was going to ask you. Did you have the five-inch fin or did you have the three-inch fin? Makes a big difference. The five-inch Mass- fin does not is ba- made for going straight. So yeah, it's for keep. Well it's it. for tracking straight. And when you try to turn on the five-inch, it, it. I mean, it's like anything else that sticks down in the water, and it's just you have to really give it a paddle, right? So I use, and since I'm going in really skinny water, and since the NRS Heron, and by the way, I have the three-chambered one. It's three-chamber. The reason why I bought it, to get off this topic here for a moment, is because there's some lakes in the United States that you cannot take a one-chambered paddleboard on. So I travel with it. I take it with me places. But anyway, um, it's a three-chambered NRS Heron, 11 feet. Um, I always use the the three-inch fin, excuse me if I said three-foot, because when I'm going in the shallow water, I'm going in the grass and the flats, I'm looking for reds in the back. Easy to get in out, and it drafts so high that when you when you want to turn, you cannot push too hard because you're like spinning around immediately. So, so, I I actually took it a step further with my live board. I had an L4, 
and um, with my Poseidon, I just go zero fin. Yeah. No fin. Yeah, I've done um, it before like that as well. How do you keep it straight, man? How do you keep it straight with no fin? Paddle technique, man. Paddle technique. You just got to sure. know exactly exactly how to torque your body and, and get that sucker moving and the you know the way that you want it to. Um, I love paddleboard fishing, man. It is it's so it's so amazing. Fun. I mean, and, and like I told you guys earlier when I was talking in July, I had gone to uh, near Destin, Florida, on a vacation with my family, and naturally I took the NRS uh, Heron with me, the inflatable. Uh, when I got to where we were staying, we were like on the tenth or thirteenth floor of a building. And I can see tarpon swimming off the surf. I freak nice. the hell out. I brought my 11-weight rod. We'll get to that later. <laughs> I brought my 11-weight rod, went, inflated it. And I every single morning, I was out on that surf, out on the, off the beach, uh, maybe about 50, 100 yards. And I was casting at tarpon. I had 10 shots at tarpon, one stop to look. And he said, go screw yourself. And you went the other way. But <laughs> although I didn't catch one, you're on an inflatable paddleboard following probably look like 80-pound tarpon. And I, I, of course, had my PFD on. I was ready for anything. <laughs> uh, where was, where get... was this again? This was in Georgia? Destin. Uh, it... Where was sorry, Destin De- at again? Destin, in, Destin in Florida. Florida. Florida, Chris. <laughs> he was in Florida this time. I've been to Destin. <laughs> he hasn't left Florida. <laughs> no, I'm still there. My mind is still there. Believe that. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, the inflatable, I really like it. Of course, I'm, I'm very careful with it, too. I don't want to take it around sharp oyster or anything like that. Um, it probably could handle it, but I just try to take better care of it. So what's what's this rule about one chamber versus three chamber in a lake? So, for example, there there's a uh, lake in... Uh, Virginia somewhere. I forget the name of the place. It's near, near Fairfax. And I looked it up to go. Um, they have snakehead in there. They got they got invaded by the snakehead. And the rule is uh, three chamber inflatable paddleboard, not one. Just in case the one chamber deflates for some reason, you have two more backup. Catfish attack. That, I was going to ask if that was a yeah. communist thing. It's a it's a communist thing, dude. Trust me, that's a that's a crappy rule, man. <laughs> if I want to take my one chamber board out there, I should be able to take my one chamber board. Damn it! You take your one chamber board, you better move to North Korea or something. We don't want the game warden to have to save anybody like they had to save Matt Scotch whenever he was taking his inflatable kayak. They got attacked by the catfish. Now, before we oh, get no. into actual rods, I want to ask this before I forget. You talked about you were putting your rod in a rod holder behind you. Mm-hmm. For the fly rods, what rod one. holder have you found that works the best? It's just the it's, it's the one that ACK sold me the day I got my Trooper Cobbage. It's just like Scotty fly rod holder. There's only um, the, if you don't want to spend two hundred dollars on like a Tibber <laughs> or something like that, then then Scotty the Scotty uh, rod holder is the the only one to get. It's like twenty five bucks. Yeah, it's it's absolutely economical. But here's the thing, Chris, also, is that I bought that to take a second rod when I go on serious trips when I'm out all day to have a backup rod. I'm usually laying my rod down at my feet. Right, yeah. Right in front of me. I, I can grab it. I Now I have a uh, – it's a type of um, – I don't know what you – it's it's, like, it's called a rod mate. 
uh, it clips on the side of your pants. You just I can put the rod in there while I'm paddling and just grab it real quick and I'm ready to cast. So, um, yeah, but I'm usually laying it down. The rod holders for a second rod. Um, that's pretty much it. Okay, so we have our kayak. Yeah. Nice. It's clean. There's clean. nothing out in front of us. It's a clean. Nope. We, we Let's just say we have a Diablo from ACK. We have a Diablo Chupacabra. Everything's yeah. good to go. What the hell kind of rod do we need? <laughs> Why is there weights involved? Like, there's there's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and, eleven, and with, twelve, thirteen, with, fourteen. And start with the novice. What would what would a novice need to go and and pick up today if he were listening to this episode and he said, "I want to get into fly fishing," and then explain why that one, and then go through the rest of them. Yeah, and, right. and maybe maybe talk about different species that you would mm -hmm. target with because what you're going to target a redfish with is going to be different than what somebody may be targeting, you know, some trout with or or something like that. I mean, just give us a, a, a quick beginner's overview on all these different weight reels. Right. So here's the deal. The weight weight the weight on a fly rod is like a class, right? So there's different classes. Each weight can handle specifically, well, not, not specifically, but it can hand, it's, it's designed to handle a certain size fish and weight, right? So it goes from zero to 14. 14 zero is for ain't your, handling no fish. Zero is handling like your little five inch trout, you know, in the back country somewhere, blue lining in some streams and uh, smoky mountains or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's a, they're fun actually, they're really small, but you know, a 14 weight, you're going after, you know, 150, 200 pound tarpon. Uh, you're going to use a 14 weight. Um, five weight is the all around bass, panfish, river trout, even lake trout. It depends on the size. It's an all around five. Uh, you could, you could, you could. Uh, I wouldn't recommend. I, I like to haul in my redfish uh, with an eight weight. Um, you can even use a six or seven weight, but if, if someone was to call me and say, Hey, look, I'm looking to go for bass, panfish, and maybe some river trout in the Guadalupe river. I would flat out tell them five weight. That's the, that's the middle. That's all you need. Keep it easy and simple. If you start to go to saltwater species or really, you know, big bass, right? You're going to go six, seven, eight weight. Uh, those are for the big redfish, big, I mean, big speckled trout, big uh oh max i've caught tarpon on eight weights i wouldn't recommend it uh, <laughs> i really wouldn't recommend it but a lot of it's work possible. involved there it's like it's, it's like taking the five weight and catching slot red well there you go it's, it's like when i caught my first tarpon on that eight weight i mean i was i had 40 excuse me i had 40 pound test on it and i was really pulling on i was like if my rod breaks my rod breaks but again the five weight is the overall average all-around rod that you would get to start out in local fresh water, even in salt water. I mean, you, it's, it's no problem. And when you're saying weight, it's not like this real weighs five mm -hmm. ounces, mm -hmm. six ounces. The weight is actually the line weight. Is that correct? Right. So you would match the line weight with the rod and the reel. So if you have a five weight, you put a five weight uh, reel on there and you match the line. Some some fly fishermen overline or underline for casting reasons. I won't even get into that because I don't do it myself. But anyway, um, I'm a yeah, cheater. So, <laughs> I'm a cheater myself. I'm a cheater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I'll, so, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll overweight my line for 
for specific so, reasons. So, so, yeah, it, you know, it depends what you're doing. Some people will do it. But anyway, uh, you know, again, you try to match the weight rod and reel to what you're going after. If you're going after 100-pound tarpon, you're using a 10 or a, or an 11 weight. You can even go 12, whatever you feel comfortable with. I like to go a little bigger just in case you never know. Um, uh, I, I caught a tarpon with a guide, uh, Captain Wright Taylor in Marco Island, Florida. We went out on his boat. It took about 20 minutes to get to the spot. I had a 80 dollar 10 weight fly rod with a hundred dollar kingfisher reel from bass pro on his boat he didn't know what it was we're watching tarpon roll they're coming up you know tarpon come up they take air and then they go back down and the bubbles come up or whatever tarpon comes up takes air goes down bubbles come up he goes i want you to cast right over that bubbles uh, over the bubbles let your fly sink and get some slow strips i got the video on youtube if you go to nick fly fishing on youtube you'll see the video Anyway, couple of strips, probably like three or four strips, tarpon on. I mean, setting, 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 gone. Jumps this, that, pull him to the boat, about 50-inch tarpon. Tarpon comes, uh, well, we didn't pull him in. We had him on the side of the boat. Anyway, the guide says, hey, Nick, could I see that rod? I go, I go yeah, show your hands. He goes, what the F is this piece of shit? <laughs> I said, what? He goes, where did you get this? I go, Bass Pro, $80 on sale and $100 reel. He goes, put that away and don't ever pull it out again. He hands me an Orvis Helios 11-weight rod. He goes, we're using this son of a shit from now on. I mean, it was, it, I mean, catch a tarpon on, the, on a $70 rod. Uh, you're looking more at 300 tarp- plus. Yeah, you know. The tarpon just, don't know the difference. He don't yeah, know what he's hooked with. But that's what I told him. I said, I don't, you know, the most expensive rod, of, rod I have is a Thomas & Thomas rod which was like 900 bucks but it was given to me as a gift so i'm not worried about it because i'm cheap but uh <laughs> yes cheap, i'm a cheap another frugal fisherman. man yes. another frugal fisherman i told you i'm a minimalist <laughs> so but, uh, you know it's it's funny that nick brings this up and i'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt no but, it's okay um i just i just recently recapped do you remember which episode i recapped drew um I don't remember what I had for breakfast or where he was fishing last. (laughs) He just just, said it five minutes ago. This this week I recapped uh, the episode with Glenn Madden. Okay, and when we were talking with Glenn Madden about um, fishing offshore, okay, when when you're when you're fishing inshore game, um, freshwater inshore game, you know, it's completely different than offshore. Okay, offshore. You're going to have to start bulking up your gear in all directions, okay? Everything is going to have to bulk up. Um, but can you get away with doing it on a budget? And when we spoke with Glenn Madden about conventional gear, absolutely you can. You can go out there and buy the you know $100 combos and totally get away with, absolutely. Um, with, with the, the inexpensive gear on a budget. But when it comes down to wanting features – and um longevity you know you want something to last a long time and not break while you're out on the water yeah you're gonna have to start throwing some cash at it and that's where that 11 weight orvis that you're talking about yeah yeah, it's a solid rod and he probably spent you know five six hundred bucks on that rod maybe even more more. no he 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 yeah he he splurged on i think the total the total uh price tag with the real 
just the reel and the rod was like thirteen hundred. But yeah. but but he's a guy. Listen, he's a guy. And he, That's he, a kayak. That is okay, a whole so, kayak. So Chris, yeah, that is a whole kayak. But Chris, you 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 did say something uh, that caught my attention. Okay, you said quality, and I'm going to tell you something. Like for example, Hardy reels. Okay, this reel company founded in 1872 by two brothers, Hardy brothers. This is one of the most top quality. Actually, they not only reels, but they they make rods too. And by the way, they have luggage that looks like uh, Gucci or something. I mean, it's top top notch. So anyway, they make one of the most top quality rods and the reels in the market. It's like you know what I like about them. Buying a Hardy would be like buying a Rolls Royce or a Rolex timepiece for fly fishing. It's, it's gonna, gonna last, last forever. It's gonna yeah. last forever it's going to take a beating it's it's very intricate with high performance right it's 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 high performance action it's 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 pretty unmatched i mean there's a lot of competition out there but these guys make it's like looking at a rolex timepiece or rolls royce like i said absolute stunning they make they make classic reels like the cascopedia reel and the 1939 uh, bugle heritage reel they they look real old school but they perform unbelievably i mean super stunning and fun to look at and amazing to use by the way this is pretty much exactly how the conversation went with glenn madden because we were talking yeah. about using the very simple pin mm-hmm. um uh, yeah center to reels and then versus yeah. using like an avid um oh. where you know you're you're really going to bump your price tag up you know twice as much but you're going to get all the bonus features and everything longevity and and finesse and tolerances. Um, mm-hmm. and tolerances are going to be super tight on that thing. So, so, so now you know uh, that ten weight I was describing to you that I caught uh, caught a tarpon on with that with uh, Captain Wright Taylor in Marco Island, Florida. It was my first ten weight. I knew I was going to use it maybe once or twice a year, maybe in Louisiana, maybe somewhere else. And I didn't want to go too crazy on it. Now I've gone up to a TFO mangrove, which is not that crazy either, but it's still an amazing, an amazing rod. So how long did it take you to upgrade from that that rod? Was it after that trip, and then you used some really good shit, and you were like, uh, "Okay, I need to I need to step it up from this Bass uh, Pro rig that I got." Uh, Chris, uh, uh, newsflash: I just got the uh, TFO Mangrove like uh, six months ago. <laughs> so so it took a while, like the Chupacabra. I'm not moving right now. I, I need some <laughs> I need something better to come by and and catch my attention. Right? I mean, okay, now. We, we, we've talked about the reels. Let's talk about line. Why mm. in the hell is fly <laughs> line so damn expensive? And like this is it is, I, it is expensive, I, man. I said hey. I will go and I will go. I will overweight my line and tell us tell us why people also like underweight and overweight because you mentioned that earlier. Yeah, they overweight to get you know to get more. Uh, action out of the line more distance when you suck at uh, casting when you suck at casting, you're su- it's like it's like casting it's like it's like grabbing a fiberglass fly rod for the very first time you've never even knew about fly fishing and you try to cast it you're like oh my god as a matter of fact i take that back some people are natural they grab the rod they get with the rhythm almost immediately some people take a lot of practice some people catch on really quick like for example me for example, friend, for example, me, 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 let me, let me indulge you in something. A friend of mine in Cleveland, Texas had a farm pond that was 
absolutely the most outstanding farm pond I've probably ever fished. Monster bass, right? So we're sitting there with plastic worms, casting at these bass. They're not even looking at it. But what they're doing is they're jumping completely out of the water and grabbing dragonflies. And we're like, my God, if we had something. And he goes to me, what, what's that thing called where you whip the line? I go, fly fishing, fly fishing. He goes, hey, Walmart in Cleveland sells like this combo kit. I said, let's get the hell out of here. Let's go get it. We drove 10 minutes to the Walmart. I go in, I buy this $25 combo package, Shakespeare 7-8 weight with a real line, leader, and some poppers. We grab it. We go back to the pond. I'm hooking this thing up. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm hooking this thing up. I put a popper on that looks like it's black and yellow, like a bumblebee. I said, ah, it looks, it looks vibrant. Maybe they'll go after it. So I start whipping this thing in the air back and forth. My friend's like, God damn, you're good at that. <laughs> so I whip, it, I whip it out. And the thing is about two feet or so above the water. And all of a sudden, a massive largemouth comes out and just annihilates it. And it's on. You're my hooked. friend goes, my friend goes, oh, my God. I said, that's it. I'm never going back to conventional. And the rest is history. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so uh, you asked me about line weight up and down. What was the question again, Drew? Before that, I'm sorry, I got. Uh, why is it so expensive? Why is it so oh, expensive? Like, so, why so, is it a hundred and something dollars for line or eighty some dollars well, for it's line? Last forever. And, and, and also throw it's in there eighty dollars. <laughs> also throw in there what um, there's floating line, there's sinking line, up, like yeah. what different kind of applications you would want, <laughs> right. and what you would you would suggest for the beginner. So, so here's the deal, uh, you know, in fly fishing, and I, I'm afraid to tell you, Drew, because I think you're hating on this line a little bit. I'm going to actually try to educate you a little <laughs> bit. But, but the thing is, you know, to, to, you know that the fly line is your, is your projector. That's the thing mm. that's throwing your fly out. You don't have a regular monofloral braid where your, your lure is pulling it, right? So the fly line is actually projecting your your fly so it has to have some weight to it it takes there's a process to making it it takes intricate calculations in the material and weight forward where all the weights in the forward uh, the front of the line then there's um, a flat line and there's nymphing line and there's all kinds of line this pike line they make all all kinds of lines so i'm a pro with Cortland. Cortland makes an absolutely amazing line by the way but uh you know it, it takes machinery pvc there's cores there's braid there's mono there's there's a whole process that goes to building this line. And, uh, you know, they, they hold up pretty well. They last a while if you take care of them. It's not like uh, if you're using just mono braid, it gets scuffed or, or scratched or whatever. And, and you, you got to cut it, change it, whatever. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, and the other thing that adds a cost to fly line is that a lot of fly companies add, add wedded, welded loops to them where you just put a looped uh, um, leader to it and you're ready to go. Or you can use a nail. And a lot of people cut the loops off and just use a nail Gosh. knot. But yeah, I mean. such a pain in the ass. To oh, me. God, I hate them. I have such a hard time them. with them. I'm a loop guy. I can't stand <laughs> it. <laughs> but so, uh, e those those guys that are listening, and I keep cutting Nick off. I'm just going to keep doing it's, it. It's um, okay. You did it You, you did it when we fished and you're doing it now. It's <laughs> <not good. laughs> hey. For those of y'all that are just listening because you can't see what's going on, Nick is animating all of this for us, okay? We've got it all. It's We've got the whip going, and we've got the, yeah, the hook set going, and the stripping going. He's throwing I got flies. A fl I got flies on, this, on the screen right now. 
So, Drew, it's you ask about the fly line. <laughs> what about the tippets, man? What about leaders? So, leader, leader, look, I'm a simple guy, like I told you. For example, uh, inshore in the marsh, I'm using a 40-pound a test um, uh, butt section with a 20-pound test fluoro. I mean, that's it. I'm not tapering. I'm not doing none of that crap. I don't want to waste my time. It's it's just it's it's unnecessary to tell you the truth. But some people like to get that actual action of the fly laying out and everything. It's fine. Everyone has their preference, right? And then um, they like to to be able to say that they did it. Yeah. Using yeah, yeah. you know that specific combination of product. Right. Um, right. And 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 when so what a lot of people don't know about me is I'm a huge Euro uh, nympher. I, I I fish for river trout. That sounds I love dirty. It. It, it is dirty. That sounds it's, dirty. It is dirty. Down and dirty. But uh, I'm a big Euro nympher. I fish for trout and rivers. It's one. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. It sounds I'm, dirty. Every time he says it, it just sounds dirty. Euro, Euro trash, dirty nympher. Um, but but I like to build my leaders when I Euro nymph. Um, you want the line to cut into the water as fast as possible. So a tapered leader doesn't really do it for you because it's it, although it might to you it might not seem too thick um it does cause a little drag um when you're drifting your flies i'm doing i'm animating again look at that um, <laughs> <laughs> um so so you know it's again it's all preference but leader um let's let's go to tarpon uh, if you if you're fishing for tarpon depends what size tarpon you're doing 80 pound butt butt section you're building down to you know 40 pound or you can just buy leaders from Cortland or any of these other uh, fly line companies that have pre-made tarpon leaders which start out at 80 pounds and and go down um, $80. it's 80 dollars one pack is a uh, 10 foot leaders 80 dollars <laughs> no i'm kidding it's not it's not but i need to uh, ask drew a question right quick so drew mm -hmm. you tell me why what would be the purpose between a floating line and a uh, sinking line Depending if you're throwing a popper or you want your presentation to be above the water or below the water, depending on what kind of fly it is. I actually have a fly rod and I've caught like four bass and one trout with it. I just, hey. I never, I never bring it. I'll take it with me and I get too excited because I'm not patient enough because I'm, I'm not a Euro nympher. I'm a Texas mulleter. <laughs> um, so... Me and my Texas mulleter, I want to throw like an artificial bait out there or a mullet out there. And I want to get it out there as fast as possible. And yeah. I get, I mean, maybe I just haven't caught enough fish yet to I really be able is. to have some patience yeah, yeah. With, with the fly. I think I'm about there though, because I've been fishing enough now where if I see reds tailing, I can slow myself down until I get there. I can cruise up to them where maybe five or six years ago, if I saw some reds tailing, I would paddle as fast as I could to I get over there. I still have a hard time. No, I take my time. I'm like, I'm like Marsh, Marsh Ninja. I just take my time. But uh, like floating in sink line, again, to answer your question, I'm sorry. Uh, I get sidetracked a little bit. Um, floating line is pretty much all I use. If I, let's say, for example, the Devil's River. You're going to Devil's River where there's areas that are so shallow, the carp's back, you know, carp, their back and tails, they're tailing. But then you'll get to areas that are, you know, 10 to 15, even 20 feet. You want to put a sinking tip down to get down because, I mean, there's smallmouth bass sitting down there. 
And the only way to get down super quick is with a sinking tip. They have intermediate. Uh, they sink at different rates, like a foot per second or whatever the, the rates are. There's so many of them. Um, I use uh, pretty much only floating, floating line for anything, for tarpon, for whatever. If I want something to sink faster, um, I, like I told you guys, I keep it super simple. I don't like to complicate things. But uh, different, different environments call for different line. And that's just, that, so- that's just the way it is. It's it's no lie that, and it's no <clears throat> surprise to anyone that our listeners are primarily coastal guys. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have quite a few that are inland and and you know landlocked, and they fish rivers and and lakes. Um, but talking to the redfish guys out there, uh, would you agree with me when I say it doesn't matter if you're using floating or sinking whenever it comes to redfish? It, it it doesn't matter to me. Uh, it really doesn't. I mean, if you're in if you're in really shallow water, like I fish eight inches of water or six inches of water, your presentation I mean, is in front of their face anyway. Your presentation is in front of their face. It's there. Boom! It hits the water. It's it's, it's there. How um, long is your leader for these redfish? I usually do about uh, probably nine feet. Nine feet. Average, leader. average is about nine feet. Yeah. Like I said, I go I go forty. 40 to uh um 40 pound test to 20 i always use 20 pound i don't care it's floral i don't care what i just haul them in i let them go i'm not too worried about it some people use eight pound test or even six pound test that i don't understand i don't like to stress the fish i just want to get them in do what i got to do and uh, let them go there's there's a we're talking about how line the line for your for your um your style of fishing is, is very important okay um the grain the uh oh yeah the features whether it's you know floating or, or sinking um and that the the line is doing most of the work but mm-hmm. guys don't forget that what you're tying at the end of your line also counts okay oh let yeah me, let me put in a, a for instance here um nick was on the bow of my boat and we we were seeing fish Okay. However, all of these fish were in this bayou and we would see them approach the shore, but then very quickly move into two or three foot of water. So Nick was like, okay, I can't use this. I can't remember what it was. I think it was a crab imitation. You're like, I it was a crab. crab it was a crab. I can't use the crab. I need to switch over to the shrimp because the shrimp falls faster yeah. um, than the crab does. Um, and I it was it to... was the design of that fly, which if you want me, I can explain to you the the, the fly. Sure, but the fact is, is that the fly um, now is is also contributing to what's taking place there, and it's not just the line that's taking care of all the work. Yeah, now I mean, now you're con- concentrating on the fly, the yeah. different type of uh, lure that you're using. Yeah, I mean, if if you if you if you put a super heavy fly on a five weight, you're gonna have a super hard time, right? I mean, you kind of want to match the fly with the rod as well. Uh, not in most cases, but it depends. If you go with a really high weight uh, fly rod, like a ten or eleven weight, I mean, you could launch pretty much, you know, a freaking fly that's a foot long. Uh, big tarpon candy. Not, yeah, big big tarpon. I mean, I've used. Uh, for those who know, size eight hooks, really small, uh, small hooks, and caught a tarpon on them. I, I mean, uh, but yeah, you want to use a big put, a big hook, but you said tarpon candy. Um, but it, by the way, that redfish I caught that day with you, you you called it. You said 
There's a redfish right there. I cast to it uh, and caught him. I appreciate that. Uh, so, well, that's, that's my job. I'm up on the. I'm yeah, up on the exactly. Pole and the at least, <laughs> at least he didn't say it was a stick. Just a stick. Drew, I caught, I caught a redfish stick one time on the boat. <laughs> Drew, I was like, is this guy gonna work or what is he doing? I mean, he's just pushing oh. around. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh. I'm just kidding. It was, a, it was an amazing day. But the fly I was using <clears throat> was a fly that was designed by John Wood who is a freelance photographer and writer for Southwest Fly Fishing Mag, which is now American Fly Fishing, but uh, he's doing prim primarily stuff for um, Fly Tire Magazine right now. But anyway, he designed this weedless fly. No, there's no monoline. There's no, no nothing to it. Um, it's the way he designed the fly, and it's virtually weedless. It's called the scimitar, scimitar shrimp, scimitar baitfish, and the scimitar crab. Well, he calls it the boogie crab. He can call it whatever you want. He designed it. But anyway, and I've been using this fly primarily for about a year and a half now with no faults whatsoever. I mean, through the grass, through the muck, through anything, just hook up after hook up. You guys can go to my Instagram and uh, YouTube. You, you, I mean, you, you could see it all. But uh, uh, this fly was designed specifically. And Chris, what you said was I switched to that because he designed it to sink at a certain rate to get down just fast enough, but not spook the reds when it hits the water, right? So it lays out, touches the water, and then goes down, gets in their face. Presentation, fish on. What's it made out of? Can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of rabbit fur. Hey, John. Hey, John. I'm not, I'm not revealing your secrets, John. Don't worry. <laughs> you, you, you can go to... Uh, Instagram and look up uh, Jay Wood fly fishing and maybe he'll tell you. <laughs> you know, he, he also had a flounder hit that thing. on his mm. That's right, Chris. I forgot about that. That was an amazing hit. I, I really wish he would have uh, connected. Got him but, with the boat. Yeah. It, well, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to get a hook inside of a flounder's jaw anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and the way with, when you're fly fishing, you're moving a, you're kind of moving quick and flounder fishing is so yeah. slow and methodical you know? yeah yeah it, not... it doesn't have to be slow and methodical <laughs> you just catch you know, them slow and methodical I, I feel like i'm constipated when i'm flounder fishing <laughs> i am not please constipated don't... anytime we're fishing so that's, <laughs> please, that's quite please all don't right get, please don't get on the episode of the of the bathroom toys <laughs> <laughs> nick that went on for a I was eating during that podcast, by the way, <laughs> driving. Nick, I got a question for you, but before mm -hmm. I get to that question. This is all questions for Nick. What do you mean? I well, got I, can, I, I can ask you a question, Chris, but I just wanted to say <laughs> shout out to that Cortland Fly Lines, man. I am on there, and they make it super easy for the beginners, I'm looking at the yeah. site right now. If you want to get line for tarpon, you just buy the line that says tarpon. If you want to get the one for bass, <laughs> there's one that says bass. Yeah. If you want to get one for redfish, there's colored redfish and tropic redfish. Just find find the uh, species that you want to target and click on it and buy it. I mean, that's that's that takes some of the guesswork out for some of the beginners. Cortland's there. pretty much well, the staple. There's there's a couple of brands out there, but Cortland's one of them. Yeah, they've been around for forever. And by the way, uh, for those listening, they also make braided line. Go check it out. I mean, they've got it all. They've got mono. They got floral. They got fly line. They got braided Sorry, line. Men. They 
on this on this show, we only use Berkeley line. <laughs> uh Berkeley, okay. <laughs> okay. I know, I know. I was I was just I was just being a very dramatic on that one. <laughs> Okay, so so to my question now, yeah, you have your top secret squirrel uh, flies that you're using now that you can't talk about, mm-hmm. um, can't talk about. But what are some styles of flies that the beginner may want to to grab if they're going to be chasing yeah. redfish? Um, and and say they 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 can't tie their own. They don't have buddies that tie their own. Maybe yeah. they just have to go up to Bass Pro Shop and pick from the bin. No, or they no. have to go to a a fly guide that has some. Yeah. Uh, what are, what are some other places around <clears throat> Houston, San Antonio that that they can go other than some of the big box stores that you've been to? Right. So let's say in the Houston area, you got Gordy's and Sons. You got Orvis. There's Bayou City Anglers, another one. Oh, I hate to miss them because there's so many good ones. Uh, up in the Hill Country, there's Real Fly. There's, uh, uh, I mean, Green I mean, Outfitters I could, is one. That's oh out my there. God, Green Outfitters. I apologize, Green Outfitters. You guys are right in Green Texas. Uh, I mean, there's Action Angler. There's uh, what's the one up in near Austin? God, I can't remember. Uh, Living Waters. Living Waters, another big, huge fly shop. But uh, you know, look. There's so many flies out there, and like you said, if they just want to get started, it's easy. I mean, there's there's a fly called the redfish crack, okay? It's like a shrimp slash crab. It, 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 it looks more like a shrimp. There's a quan fly. There's a gurglers. There's a deceiver. There's a, a seducer. I mean, Clouser minnow is probably one of the most. I think, yeah, most people if start not with popular. Clouser minnows. Yeah, yeah, Clouser is like, and I take back the, I mean, that is probably the number one. Uh, fly. So if you get a clouser, you're getting chartreuse. You're getting uh, different colors that would, you know, mimic something in the salt, for example. I mean, you can catch bass. Uh, shoot, I've caught fish in Albania off the coast. I've caught Atlantic mackerel on clouser minnows. Um, there's crabs. There's, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And the best thing to do is if you are starting out in fly fishing, you want to know what you need. Go to your local mom and pop fly shop. Get with someone, tell them what you want to do, tell them what you want to learn, and they will direct you in the right, in, in the right way. You can, and as a lot of them will even let you cast the rod outside to try it out before you buy it. It's like, it's like buying a car. You take it for a test ride. Um, and they will all steer you in the right direction. They'll get you the flies you need for what you're pursuing. And as you go, you learn, right? The more you go out, the more you learn, the more you social media. Thank God for social media and the Internet because you can research anything you want. You could be a master fly fisherman in a day. Careful. Can you, though? <laughs> Can a you? Lot of, a lot of doo-doo stuff out there, too. <laughs> yeah, there is. There is. But if you stick with the known stuff, um, with the or known if you companies. Just, you just see Nick underscore fly underscore fishing on Instagram and hook up with him, dude, and you'll probably Love just it. absorb yeah. it through osmosis. I'm I, Osmosis. Ooh, that's a big word. <laughs> hey, um, uh, don't forget about uh, the number one, man. Little spoon, you gotta have a every oh, fly fisherman's gotta I have a spoon and a popper. I, I think. Can I tell you something? I didn't mention the spoon on purpose, but you go ahead. You brought it up. Spoon is one of the most deadly things you can use. I have never used it. I just I don't really? know some of yeah. I've never used one. I just it's, I have them in my fly box box, but I've never. They're so pretty. They, 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 they they're, they're amazing. They I mean, don't but, make spoons 
just basic spoons like the Johnson Sprite whenever it comes to fly yeah. fishing. Yeah, they're like, but they're like super ornate and and like beautiful and like yeah like designs in them and stuff. Yep. They're really cool. But I, I know guys that use them specifically. I mean, they are deadly as heck. I just I stick with what I like. What what makes me feel comfortable? Like your comfort flyer. Everyone has a comfort fly. There's God knows how many uh, patterns out there, but everyone has a comfort fly. They stick with what they like. I stick with John Wood's Scimitar series. It just works for me, and I, I just stay with it. Unless I'm doing something other, something else, and I'll uh, switch to something. But specifically, I'm using that right now. That gives us a, a good a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do we talked about reels? We've talked about line. We've talked mm -hmm. about leaders and flies we haven't talked a whole lot about rods oh but but you mentioned a fiberglass rod yes now for the beginner is is a fiberglass rod something that they should get first now and i'll ask you this too when you're starting should you concentrate your money on your reel mm. your rod or your line how would you prioritize those three? God, that's like a calculus question right there, man. I, I, you know, uh, so here's, here's the thing real quick. Uh, my son's 14. He casts a lot of um, you know, carbon rods. I put a six-weight moonlit fly fishing uh, fiberglass rod in his hand, and he cast that thing like a dream. And he said, I don't want to cast those other rods anymore. I like this one. It's, it's tough to say. Some people will get on it, grasp it. Some people won't. Some are more flimsy like noodles. Uh, the Moonlit Fly Fishing, the Lunar S-Glass, is an amazing rod. It has a, some stiffness to it, but it also has some play. And I can tell you what, there's a lot of people who haven't really cast glass rods much that have gotten that rod and just fell in love with it immediately. But um, um, Moonlit Fly Fishing, by the way, I, you know I'm an ambassador for them. I don't know if you do or not. But uh, they're out of Idaho. They make premium fly fly fiberglass rods they do all this stuff fiberglass uh i'm sorry fly tying materials hooks for leaders uh and things like that but i mean the fiberglass rod that they make is possibly one of my all-time favorites e even even before i became involved with them um i've casted some other brands which i liked but this one just took me on it where i was like hey i would be interested in joining your your organization and the fiberglass rods, they're a little more whippy, right? Yeah, they got a little more play to them. There's, there's other brands that when you whip them, uh, Drew, they're like absolute wet noodles. They're just, I mean, like mops, just flop, flop, flop. And you got to get the rhythm down perfectly to get the presentation. Now, there's other companies, like I said, like Moonlit and some others that make them a little more stiffer where you're using them in salt water. We can get a nice long cast out of it. Um, you know, for bonefish, for redfish. Uh, as a matter of fact, I used to use carbon a lot, but I used the, the, the Lunar S-Glass, the Moonlit Fly Fishing Rod, almost exclusively uh, on the coast right now. I have, I, have, I have a really cheap one of those Bass Pro Shop. It's not Bass Pro. I think it's Scientific Angler. Um, yeah, they made eight, a combo, combo. Yeah, combo deals. out there yeah. in an eight-weight. I need to get better with it. Um, maybe we it's can... timing. It's timing, Drew. It's all timing. And I don't even know how good I am because I've never been out there 
with someone who knows what they're doing. It's mm-hmm. just been me at the golf course pond out there throwing <laughs> it. And I don't I don't know if I'm throwing it far enough or good enough or, or what. I know I'm using my arm a heck of a lot more than I should be. Yeah. I need to get together with you and we need to go fish one Absolutely. day down you know, in one of the best, best ways to learn, man, is two fly fishermen on the bow of a skiff. I love it. Okay. I love it. One one guy sitting there, you know, helping you manage line and Oh and my god, number you, one. Coaching you while you're while you're on the on the bow and um, learning while you're actually on the water, I think is probably numero uno. Because you can practice in your backyard all you freaking want. Yeah. Once you get on the water, that's when it counts. And you won't make the same cast. So well, so uh, uh, that's a very, very good point. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, every year I go down to Mexico on the Belize border in Chetamal Bay and we fish for bonefish, tarpon, cuda, uh, jack, you name it, whatever's in there. I mean, we're going for it. And when you're up there, you need the guy behind you Okay, your line gets coiled up. He's stretching it out, pulling it out, pushing things out of the way. Nothing gets hung up. He hands you a fly, this and that. There's always some kind of it's like it's like, a, it's like having a caddy on a golf course, right? Hey, the eight weight's not working. Hand me the ten weight. There's a barracuda, you know, twelve o'clock, thirty feet, blah blah blah. And they're always helping you out. And then as that's happening, they're learning, you're learning, and you're helping each other. You're all, you're you're feeding off each other. And before you know it. I mean, it's like clockwork, right? It's just it's second nature. Well, I mean, I happen to know a guy with a Poland skiff, and there's a, <laughs> there's another guy that is pretty good at this fly fishing stuff. Um, well, I'm I just saying. You, I'm just tell you saying what about this guy with the Poland skiff. Um, he's actually partnering with Nick because I already told Nick whenever I took him the first time out. I was like, "Look, dude, I need." as much help as I can possibly get with um, with taking fly fishermen out yeah, on a yeah, regular basis. Yeah. So I need, I need, I need help learning this, this uh, process. So Nick's going to be partnered with me. <laughs> Sorry, Nick, Wait. if you, if you don't like it or not, you're, you're there with me, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm I growing was, through I was, this process. I was blindsided by that, but yes, uh, I think you said I was also the first fly fisherman on your, on your boat, which I was yeah, you were the super excited about <laughs> on the, on the bow. Um, and honestly, if we wouldn't have had some technical difficulties, I think we would have had a even better day, but despite, caught fish. You know, yeah, despite having a couple of, uh, uh, technical difficulties we still caught fish and still had a good time um, we had a blast man we had a blast i would have liked to have been able to move around a little bit more but hey well we, it is i mean what it is. if you remember we were in uh we were in west bay of matagorda and the water was so damn low we were no scrat we were scratching shell just i mean everything was scraping uh, it was like you took and take your nails on a chalkboard and i was just sitting there like all right, we got to push out. We got to push out. I mean, we were just trying to get to an area where we can just drift, right, in the wind and and start making some blind casts into the water, which we did. You had actually a couple of hits on that uh that top water you were using. Oh yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't know if uh I think you had said you hadn't seen anyone, you know, use a top water or catch a fish yeah. off of a top water or something like that. And we got into this area and I started seeing some some activity of uh, yeah. you know, redfish were actually slurping off of the top. And I was like, okay, time to turn on the top water. And man, 
I got what like four blowups, but no takers. massive blowups. Yeah. yeah, that was and pretty it, tough, but it was exciting to see it. One even came back around for it, like, oh, I'm going to hit you again. And then he just looked at it, kind of gave him the side eye. Well, <laughs> hey, hey, hey Drew, I, Drew, I got to tell you something about Chris. This guy got eagle eyes, man. We're, si- we're sitting in the in the I boat. disagree, we're- but go ahead. No, 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 no. Listen, I, I was there, and I, and I don't lie. That guy has eagle eyes. So we're standing, we're sitting in the boat. We're drifting, kind of pulling towards in, sh- in the shore. And he's like, hey there's a popping cork floating way out there. And I couldn't spot it until we got pretty close to it. I was like, yeah, look at that thing. And we get up next to it and I grab it. And there's a tug on the other, on the other end. And there was a uh, drum. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. There was a little black drum with a treble hook stuck in his mouth, man. That was his luckiest day. He got off and swam off. I don't know how many, how many times I've found uh, floating crazy. popping corks with, with fish under them. People yeah. learn how to tie your damn knots, okay? <laughs> Get it's the always, knots. It's always the popping cork, but I disagree about Chris having eagle okay, eyes. Okay, here's Drew's one story where I could. <laughs> oh, now, man. Mind you, mind you, I've been pulling around for like six hours already. <laughs> it was longer than that. that. This was towards the end of the day. It was probably like 10 hours. This I had is, a 10-hour polling day with, with well, Drew. This is back. right after oh, you borrowed oh. my shoes. <laughs> oh, my feet, my feet were freaking burning i didn't bring any shoes with me <laughs> so i'm on like, the front i'm on the front in my socks and chris has got my shoes on up there but we're we're pulling around and i was like that looks like a redfish and i said yeah. chris do you see it over there he goes all i see is a stick <laughs> i said that's not a stick that's a redfish he goes no that's a stick so i cast it over there and reeled in a 20 23 inch red stick um, it, it it was a fish. It was a fish back there behind it. But Chris yeah, was sure it, that it was a stick. The worst though was um, in in this pretty much the same area where we we found this floating popping cork with uh, Nick. And then um, about I don't know, two hundred yards away, I go, dude, there's a school over there. And he's like, where? like man there's a school across the the river over there let's get on that flat dude i tried so hard so hard to get over there and i was sure how sure was i that that was a school of redfish dude I mean, you put, you were I taking all us, your money you were taking all your money and betting it on black that's how sure you were <laughs> and we get over there man and it's the big old school of mullet <laughs> The biggest school of mullet you ever saw. At least it was fish. At least, yeah. at least it was a school of fish. It so, wasn't an oyster reef or something. So, so guys, listen. One one of you between one of you one of you is the hater. There's always like like I have a friend. His name is James Dionisio. Okay, and every time we go fishing, the guy just hates. He hates. I take him to the Devil's River. We go to Colorado. We fish the marsh. We fish everywhere, and everywhere we go, he hates. So it's like uh, we went to Rockport one time. We get on the water. Three minutes later, I'm hooked up. And I'm yelling his name, James, James, I'm hooked up. And he's paddling completely in the other direction. He's not turning around. He's not answering me. I'm like, oh, he doesn't hear me. Uh, He doesn't hear me. Um, So I I catch a fish, release him. I catch up with him about three, 400 yards away. And I'm like, hey, hey, man, did I I caught the fish. Did you hear me calling? He goes, yeah, I just didn't want to answer you. So do you take him? Do you take him fishing to make you feel better about yourself? I I I take him fishing to embarrass him. 
Uh, that's why I take him particularly. No, he's a, he's a, he's actually an amazing fisherman. But but uh, he he's that one hater out of the group, and and I love it. He he's the most one of the most most amazing guys uh, that I fish with. Are you just as loud? and you know energetic and stuff on the water because i i am Dude, and, we and had we had a blast i get man. talked about a we, lot i get i get lit when up it was, man when it was business though it was all business okay but there when it go. was when it was time to cut up dude we had a blast on the boat so it was I, absolutely I can imagine, an amazing day i haven't kayak fished with this guy yet um i actually when i when i do fly fish i'm using my paddleboard and I don't like to go too far because that damn yeah. thing is just yeah. very slow. Um, yeah. So, but when there, I imagine that whenever we do get a chance to go out on the kayaks, I'll be in my Hobie. So I won't be fly fishing because I tell you what, the worst kayak ever to fly fish out of. And I don't care <laughs> who will say that, that it's good. It's not. Hobie is not good to fly fish. Out. Why? Why do you say? Is it, is it because of the pedal? Is it because of the, yeah, uh, the fins you got, and the pedal? I mean, dude, because Hobie is is built to have everything at your fingertips. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there are there's tool holders. There's um, you know clamps and clips and and. You know the seat has tons of crap hanging off of it. Yeah. Uh, the, plus, you have the drive. You have the drive right there, right there in front of you. You know where you would be stripping your line. Um, so, as a fly fisherman, could I tell you that I fished out of a Hobie Pro Angler before? Well, you and could tell which, me that you fished out of a bathtub. I, <laughs> I did. I did in, in, in New in New, in New York in the Bronx River because that's all bathtub. they had in New York. <laughs> it's, all we, it's all we had is a bathtub. But, uh, you know, I fished out of a Hobie Prangler. What we did was we used the fins to get where we were going, pulled them out, out. Yeah. tucked okay. them away. Um, everything was clean. In? Yeah, the plug was in, cleared deck, everything, and had a blast. But, again, um, you have to be that minimalist or or keep it like, like, like I'm telling you. And on your end, if you're conventional, you want the rod holders, you want this, you want that, and you got yeah, everything in yeah. front of you. There's no hangouts for you guys, so – um it's it's possible um but again you just have to place your line off the side of the kayak or in a certain place and it it is possible but is it ideal probably not but you can make it work you definitely can make it work i could i could fish out of my native ultimate easily with uh fly fishing because it's just like a oh yeah there's nothing there's nothing it really in there for it to get caught up on there's the little dashboard but you can even take that out Get um, caught on fo- you. Take the fo- well, probably. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I'm pretty. I don't have any sharp edges, bro. I don't. I don't have any sharp edges. It would just kind of roll off of me. I, um... <laughs> and, and and that's why, it, like we had talked earlier about, you mentioned boat. B O T E is the name of the company. I mean, they they design their stuff. They have the boat rover, the rackham. They got a bunch of stuff. But anyway, uh, you know, they design their their uh, kayaks and their paddle boards. I mean, it is a fly fishing machine. No hang ups, unless you want it to hang up. You start putting things there. Uh, conventional as well. A lot of people in Florida use them uh, for conventional. Um, but but again, Diablo, Crescent, New Canoe, Boat. These these type of kayaks are geared. To help fly fishermen get the job done. Are there any good resources for beginners other than your Instagram? Are there any? That's like the worst. 
I mean, quote unquote pros. <laughs> um, are, are are there enough videos where people can learn on YouTube the proper technique for casting? Where I mean, can they there... get the best YouTube video on the double haul? Yeah. Oh my God! Listen, Orvis has a ton yes, of instructional goes. videos. Okay. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go straight to Orvis. I I don't I don't like to plug them. Whatever. Send me a check, Orvis. Uh, but there's so, uh, <laughs> there's so many instructional videos. You can type in how to fly cast, how to Euronymph, how to tie this, how to do that, and you will find thousands upon this dude's thousands, really a nympho, thousands of it. I am a nympho, dude. And you know what? I, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. Euro nympho. Yeah, you're. It's hairy. <laughs> Look, I already got Martian Ninja. I don't need another name, please. Um, there's there's if someone is really 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 wanting to get into it and really wants to key in on how redfish think how redfish work now you can go out on your own you can get a kayak you can learn on your own take time really in my opinion if you really want to get some knowledge up front get a guide period yeah. fly fishing yeah, guide with, yeah. take you out rockport uh port Aransas, corpus christi matagorda i don't care where you want to go Get a guide, sit there, ask the questions. Most guides are very, very open to teaching you everything they can. I mean, it, it, they like to spread the information. Um, and well, there's a lot of guides to on do the that. Texas coast. Yeah, they're getting paid to do that. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of guys that, I mean, you go out once and you're just like, I'm an expert, <laughs> you know. Um, but if you really want to learn, you really want to get out there and learn things, get a guide. Get a kayak. Keep going out. Go once a week watch what the fish are doing, learn, see how they're behaving. I mean, I can spot fish people like, how do you know it's there? I'm like, it's there. It's, so for the listeners, see. are there any guides that you would um, suggest along the Texas coast? Yes. I'm going to, the, the first guide I'm going to recommend is Alvin Detto. Okay. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him. This guy is premier top notch. I, I went on a trip with him actually on the Colorado river. That's his like home waters other than the Guadalupe river. And he is, I, I, I want to talk about top-notch guide, Alvin Detto, with so all, water, all water guides. All water guides. All water, okay. All water guides, yeah, that, that's the name of it, all water guides. He, he is absolutely an amazing guide. So um, what about Louisiana? Anybody in Louisiana? Yes. There's a guide um, that goes by John West. And oh, what's the name of his company? Sabine something his name's john west look him up he's on instagram okay he guides out of texas and louisiana absolute amazing guy oh remember my hater friend that always hates on me every time we go fishing well i took him last year to louisiana to fish with john west and he hated the whole time man oh for two days he was like, this is horrible man he Why was hating for, here? He, he he caught some nice redfish we were looking for that big, nasty, you know, we were looking for that big, nasty one. Uh, oh, it's Sabine on the fly. John West is with Sabine on the fly. Look him up on Instagram. So anyway, there was five minutes left in the trip on the very last day. There's a point sticking out, and we see this massive bull red takeoff. James Dionisio, the hater, happened to be on the bow, and the guy's like, cast in front of him, cast in front. He casts in front of him. It was almost an instant connection. This fish was like 40 inches long, man. It was absolutely the most amazing thing. And the, the, and the thing the that fight, it was. He goes, that sucked. 
I was hating on. I was hating on him after that. I was like, I'm the hater now. He's like, you're not gonna get it in. You're not gonna He's, get it in. He was like, it was well worth it. I said, I told you. I mean, I caught a big nasty black drum, but anyway, he he got his he he got his fill. But John West with Sabine on the fly is is an amazing guy. Yeah. Moving further down the coast, we'll skip mm-hmm. Mississippi and Alabama because they both have nothing. Um, nothing. <laughs> So I will. Do you have specific parts of Florida that you like to to go yes, fishing? I mean, yes. Destin and Tampa Bay. Okay, so so outside of Destin, I'm not going to reveal the area, but outside of Destin, uh, if you want to fish for tarpon off the surf, no, um, but go ahead. Uh, I I I I, <laughs> I do I do recommend getting some kind of kayak or paddleboard off the surf. Going out, um, there's a couple of. Uh, different sandbars out there. You just make it out there and you'll see them. They're coming all along up and down swimming. But anyway, Tampa is another amazing fishery. If, if, if anyone's ever been out there, it's, it's an absolute amazing fishery. And if you go there, you got to go see Enver at Tampa Bay on the fly in Tampa, so Florida. What about East Coast? Have you ever fished, fly fished the East Coast? I'm not done with Florida, please. Oh, uh, <laughs> Bad. Then, Dude, then, I, got, I got like a face, then, a hand, like, like he, hey, know, hey, talk to, talk the, to hand. the talk to the hand, not to that. Uh, so uh, down and as I mentioned, Captain Wright Taylor, um, down in Marco Island, uh, ten thousand islands down south of Naples, one of the absolute most amazing tarpon fisheries. See, people don't think about that area; they go to the Everglades uh, and to the Keys. Well, this place is on. Yeah. Oh, I chased permit uh, Marco Island, but you know, their permit is another story. Don't even get me started, man. You're gonna ruin my evening. <laughs> I caught my first permit uh, two years ago, and it took two years to catch that permit. But anyway, um, yeah. So Marco Islands, Captain Wright Taylor, um, Everglades fly fishing, amazing, amazing fishery. And then the Miami area and that stuff I love. But East Coast. I don't primarily fish the salt at all when I go up to, to New York or uh, in Virginia. Actually, I do fish in Virginia Beach, the coast. But when I go to New York, I'm going up to Roscoe, to the Beaver Kill, the Delaware, those in, you know, interior trout rivers and doing a lot of nymphing and stuff. Um, but and, you know, Colorado, wherever else. But but that's pretty much. Oh, and I fish in Europe too, Montenegro, Albania, uh, Kosovo. I fish that whole area. Okay, can you that, now can you're you done get with it? Florida? What's yeah. that? What's that? Now you're done with Florida? Uh, anywhere hold on, anywhere hold on, on the East hold Coast? On, hold on, one more thing. Uh, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> so I've, and, I've, I've been dying to go um, uh, chase redfish in, in uh, South Carolina, man. Oh, dude. Did, did, yeah. Both conventional and on the fly. Now, yeah, yeah we, we bring up guides because, ladies and gentlemen, the absolute best way to fly fish for inshore species and on rivers is with a guide somebody who is in that water on a regular basis they know what's going on they know the patterns of the fish that you're targeting i mean i went to toledo to fly fish and i wanted to specifically target carp i wasn't just going to go start walking the mommy river by myself no i found a guide and I had that guide take me. That's a big ass river to just start walking. You know, I, I hired a guide to take me. Um, it's and it's the best way to learn too. That guy's well, it, gonna be. 
And you don't have to do any work. I mean, the only work that you have to do is the actual fishing. Yeah, listening, learning, catching the Mm -hmm. fish. You're not worried about your boat. You're not worried about paddling. You're not worried about too too much about wind. I mean, you are fishing and learning. Now, it is a niche style, okay? It is... it's not, you know, you can go on a bay boat and pay $500 for you and two, three of your best buddies. You can drink beer and, and catch fish and listen to jams all day long. But you're going to pay the same price, five, $600 for just one dude Yeah, on a boat, okay? But you're probably going to be more connected with nature and the actual task of fishing than you ever have been in your whole entire life. It's worth every penny. It, it, it is worth it because, first of all, they're spotting fish you don't see. And then you're learning in the first couple of hours how to spot that fish. Down in Mexico, you think an average dude just showing up is going to see a bonefish? That, they, they call them the ghost of the flats for a reason. You're not yeah. seeing a bonefish unless you learn it. In the first two days, you're teaching yourself and the guide's teaching you how to spot it. And then eventually you do. Eventually you start seeing them like you see anything else, right? Um, as a matter of fact, when I first got in, interested in, in Euro nymphing and tight lining, as they call it, um, I got a guide, I went to North Carolina. I got a guide called Head, uh, Ken Hardwick. He's with Head, Headwaters Outfitters now in, uh, I believe North South Carolina. Don't, don't, uh, quote me on that, but look up Ken Hardwick. So when I met Ken, he was one of the guides that you guys are talking about. Before we got on the water, we were driving to the area, and he started asking me, what are you looking to do? What are you looking to learn? What, what, are, what are you looking what, – what are you trying to get out of this? You know, and I told him, I said, look, I'm a very uh, – I'm not a confident fly fisherman, and I, I need some critique. Like, like you guys said, you've been doing it on your own, but you need someone who knows to help you, right? So this guy got my confidence up so high. He's like, there's nothing for you to worry about. He taught me nymphing techniques that were absolutely deadly i'm talking about plucking fish out left and right and uh again ken hardwick with uh, head headwaters outfitters you can look him up on uh instagram as well i don't know his handle on there what is a good distance for a cast now whenever whenever you you started how far were you casting compared to now? How far are you casting? Oh, jeez. <laughs> You're talking about, uh, you know, like, for example, in the, in the marsh, the average cast is, I mean, you're casting 10, 20, maybe 30 feet in front of you. Now, if you see some spooky fish and they're very spooky that day, man, you're going to be making 40, 50, uh, even 60-foot casts. Average 20 to 30. I'm not even joking. Uh, if you go to a place like, and I'm going to say Mexico again, in the flats for permit, you're making a 60-foot cast minimum, 60-foot cast. I mean, you're hauling it out there or plus. Uh, in the Bahamas, people fish out there. They're making 70-foot casts off a boat. But, uh, you know, starting out, you're getting the rhythm. You're trying to get distance. And then the double haul works, right, where you're tugging on the line on the cast and you're building tension and then you shoot the line and it just – it just goes out, right? Having the right line is very important as well, as we talked about before. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, I've been going to Colorado for some years now, 
And uh, there's a fly shop there called Angler's Covey, okay? And um, head of operations there is John Easton. And we had gone out one time and uh, just showing me some technique. I mean, I've already been fly fishing, but I'll tell you what, there's always something to learn. I don't care. If you're not learning something every day, then you're, you're just going to stay where you are. You're not learning. But, you know, uh, John Easton with Angler's Covey in Colorado Springs, he, 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 he showed me some techniques that really helped out. And this guy's fishing still water lakes and kayaks, um, you know, rivers for uh, cutthroat, brown trout, rainbow trout, uh, places like Cheeseman Canyon where it's super technical. I mean, you really got to get technical in there. You got to get the right drift or you are not catching a fish. Uh, and, you're, and, you're, and by the way, you're catching these fish on flies that are half the size of a grain of rice. Shit. What? I mean, tiny. I tie tiny stuff. It's just, it's amazing what big fish eat small flies. <laughs> that's that's tiny. So, so yeah. you should you should feel good about yourself if you're able to cast. You, I mean, you're a newer fly fisherman, and and you can sling it out there thirty or forty feet. Then you, forty, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you should feel good about going out to the marsh in your backyard. Yeah, yeah, or in the back in your backyard, or actually on the water. Yeah, don't do it on the concrete. You'll you'll ruin your fly line. I see a lot of people doing that. But it, it, and again, like I told you, in the marsh, you're 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 pitching ten five feet, ten feet, twenty feet between thirty and ten feet. I'm usually throwing out that line. Now, like I said, if it's a super, you know, if the water's super clear, very spooky fish, you're making that long presentation. You don't want to go anywhere near them because they'll see you coming a mile away. Now, Drew, you you're saying thirty to forty feet. So my backyard is like 105 feet in width. And when I'm practicing in my backyard, of course, I'm not all the way backed up against the, the back fence, right? Mm-hmm. I'm probably, I don't know, 30 feet off, okay? Yeah. But I can cast all the way to the opposite fence with making a good, good cast. When I get on the water... <laughs> <laughs> Throw all that shit out the window, man. Well, well, I, well. You, you, I'm I'll lucky tell you to get why. twenty feet in front of me. I'm going to tell you, and I will tell you this: this this plays a major role in casting. There are people who can stand up, ankle deep water, and make the most amazing cast. As soon as you sit down on a kayak and you try to cast, all hell breaks loose. You can't do nothing. Your kinetic chain is broken. Your kinetic chain is broken. So you're trying to teach yourself how to cast in this position. Uh, by the way, let me tell you the story of the permit. You're going to understand this story very well. I'm on a panga boat in Mexico, me and my buddy Jerry Sherman, who introduced me to Chetamal Bay um, on, the, on the Belize-Mexico border. And we see a school of permit. I'm on the bow. The guide stops the boat, and he starts yelling at me, Nick, jump in the water now and go after the permit. I'm like, What? I jump, I had, luckily I had my boots on. I jump in the water. He jumps in after me and we're sloshing through the water so fast. I'm like, Oh, we're going to scare these fish. He goes, they're so they're, they're feeding so much. They, they don't even see us. They go around circle behind us, come back around. I'm in over chest deep water. And he tells me you need to make a 60, 70 foot cast. And I'm like, Moises, Moises Cordova. I'm like, Moises, I can't do that. He goes, you shut up and you make the cast. He goes, <laughs> and I'm whipping this line and I'm panicking. You know, I, look, like I said, I've been fly fish forever, but I'm in over chest. You have to water. keep everything way up here uh, too. Yeah. 
So what there's a cast called the steeple cast where you cast way up behind you, up in the so air, and then energy. you pull it full. It was the only way I can build, did that, uh, do that cast. So I pick it up, cast up, and I launch it forward, and he's grabbing me by my neck, behind my neck, like squeezing. Perfect cast, perfect cast. Crab sinks, permit come around. He goes like, okay, now pull really slow. And you pull, full pull, super slow. One, two, boom. Permit on. I fought that thing for an hour on the eight weight. It broke the eyes on the rod. It, the rod started falling apart. This thing was over 25 pounds. It was massive. The guide was like, you this shouldn't one have brought your Bass Pro rod, man. <laughs> it wasn't a Bass Pro. It's another <laughs> brand I, 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 won't, I won't mention. But, but... It was absolutely the most amazing thing. You know, permit are, are jerks. They, they, they're very hard to catch. But the cast technique, chest deep water, and you're trying to make a 60-foot cast, I mean, I would say it's nearly impossible. It's some other cocky people like, oh, that's no problem, you know. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Well, we're, I know, I know we're, Drew. Drew's going to be like, I want to, I want to do this, Chris. I want to get this down. I want to learn it. So he's going to put about two weeks into it. Hey, 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 hey! Listen, listen, hey. guys. I always tell people when nymphing, for example, tight lining, where you're holding your rod up and your line is tight to the water. There is no casting involved other than the flip. And I have taught people who've never even seen a fly rod in Albania the technique. And uh, it's easy to do. Casting, short cast, easy. They call it painting the ceiling. You don't go, you don't bring the rod down and then all the way back like you're casting a conventional rod. You're painting the ceiling like if you're going on a flat ceiling back and forth. Tick tock. I'm answering the phone. Keep your elbow down. Don't bend the wrist. Just keep doing it. Again, it's technique. And there's a million videos you can watch on it. I mean, there's a million. Well, that that was going to be my question. We're getting towards the end of the show, and you just yeah. kind of threw a wrench into everything, talking about <laughs> dang. talking about there's different kinds of ways of casting. Sh- now I gotta ask. Me on the show. Now I gotta ask <laughs> for the beginners. What casting technique should the beginner be searching on YouTube so they're not like at the church and the steeple, all the little people out there Single trying to cast? Hall, okay. I'm going to say it very slow. You ready for this one? Ready. Be- beginner fly casting. <laughs> Just search That's beginner it. fly casting. Beginner fly casting. Fly casting you know, for beginners, you know what, however, you want to, however you want to do it. You know what they're going to find, though? They're going to find hmm. some guys out there that are teaching how to cast um, with, with only arm movements and some that are t- teaching with, <laughs> with wrist movements um, and saying that this is how a beginner should be doing it. Um, just go to the Orvis website. I mean, honestly, if you, if you want yeah. to learn the, they have some very, very good videos, um, yeah. and they're, they're detailed, um, and they're by professionals. Okay. Uh, that's, yeah. that's where I got my, and I used their double hall video. Um, they're a great cannot, double hall video, by the way. I still can't double hall. I can do a single oh. hall, um, but I still yeah. can't do a double, but uh, and, at least, and, and, at least, by using that video, I taught I taught myself how yeah. to get the single haul down. And and there, there there's a, the one particular video I'm talking about by Orvis is a fly casting lessons, the basic fly cast, and that's all it is. It's from Peter Kutzer, 
And he goes through the double hole, the this, the that, different techniques. I mean, there's, like I said, there's so many. But again, look up Orvis, the Orvis company on, uh, on uh, YouTube and just search what you're looking for. I mean, it's the University of YouTube. That's how you learn everything anyway. I learned <laughs> before the internet. I learned when the internet was coming out by that's, reading books, uh, watching other people. That's how I became an HVAC technician. YouTube you ain't doing YouTube. H- you ain't doing HVAC for me, man. You ain't doing HVAC for my properties. No way. YouTube University. Well, I, I think I think Chris, we need to set up me, you, Nick. We need to go out. We need this should be the next episode with all of us on there. Should be a straight tripping episode. Redfish oh, on I'm, the fly. I'm in. Hey, I'm in for that. Um, all right. So I've got a location in mind. We got to wait until it warms up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and we can go there. I hopefully the ultimate can make it though. We'll, we'll have to see. Oh no, that thing that thing will make it through anything. I, I, I'll get there. Don't worry. I'll yeah. get there. Yeah. Oh, you talking about Drew? I thought you were talking about the boat. Yeah. No. No. We. Uh, now. Okay. So, on the boat. <laughs> I still have repairs to make. <laughs> oh, my I thought jack- you took care of the problem. My my actuator is actually being rebuilt right now. Um, okay, okay. So the jack plate isn't working yet, but that should be back soon. Now, but we've got we can't. Hmm. We've got to take the boat to very specific, easy places when Drew's on board, because I almost died the last time we went nine miles away. <laughs> No, that's that. That's it. Wasn't that bad? It wasn't that bad. We speared. We speared three foot rollers, man. (laughs) It it was. It. I. My butt didn't pucker. How about that? I've been in way worse than that. I've been with my brother out in the middle of Matagorda with like five foot rollers and a little Boston whaler. But um, yeah, I do have a couple places in mind where all three of us can can definitely hop on the skiff and and uh, chase some redfish uh, lighthouse lakes being one of them fantastic place not only for I've never fished there I've heard trout. everyone fish that I've never oh, fished man. there it's, it's it's great skiff yeah. can get there real easy too yeah it's nice yeah. it's nice well nick man we've been on here going on 2 hours we need to wrap this up i'm sure there's a ton more that we can talk about is there anybody i mean you mentioned a lot of different companies that mm-hmm. you uh, you work with, um, you want to yeah. go back through, you know, some of the people that support you along your Absolutely. kayak fishing journey. I know you are now a member of the ACK fishing team. Is Man, that, that is absolutely. I w- I'm just I'm blown away by ACK. I, I tell you what, I just start out as a customer buying stuff from them. Their customer service is is absolutely top notch. You know. Um, and 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 I, I want to give a shout out because there's there's people like Aaron Lowe, Jason Mercer, Sean and Rico from the Houston and Spring, Texas stores, and Juan Carlos and the entire crew at ACK. These guys, I mean, even as a customer, treated me like I was on the ACK syndicate or the fishing team. Um, I got a call from them last year, asked me if I want to be on the syndicate team, and this year they're like, "Hey, uh, you made the fishing team." I was just absolutely blown away and i want to thank everybody at ack awesome canoe and kayak for uh picking me i mean it's it's i'm still i'm still kind of not there yet you understand 
Um, I'm very, I'm very shocked. <laughs> They're amazing dudes, man. And yeah, you know what? You're, love, you're love. an amazing angler, dude. And, and you I, put I out really good media, uh, fun yeah. media. Okay. Fun stuff right. that everybody's going to enjoy. Even if you're not a fisherman, you probably like, uh, like to take a look at what he's got out there. Yeah. 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 And, um, so like, uh, for example, Oscar Noon kayak, awesome guys, moonlit fly fishing, Brandon moon, one heck of a guy. He's out of Idaho. Again, the fiberglass rods, moon, moonlit fly fishing. You could look them up on Instagram at, at moonlit fly, fly fishing. There's Cortland Line at Cortland Line on Instagram. And my very, very good friend has brought me on as his fly tester ambassador, Jay Wood Flyfish, John nice. Wood. Amazing guy, amazing friend, and I love that guy to death. That's out in um, – is John in, out in, on the Guadalupe in – so, so to give you and to give you a bit of history, John is originally from Texas. John Woods originally from Texas. Whoop, whoop. Um, whoop, whoop. Uh, we fished the Lano together. We fished the Guadalot. We fished the coast. Uh, he lived in Denton for a while, and now he lives in beautiful Billings, Montana. Oh wow! So and you're gonna so, be up north. Uh, this May, I have a trip planned with John and a few guys, uh, John Easton with Anglers Covey in Montana, and we're going to be chasing 20-pound lake trout. That's a big lake trout. That's a big lake trout. You're bringing an eight-weight for sure. That's 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 a big fish. Yeah, yeah. Well, Nick, man, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, I learned a lot, like Chris said. Now, Now I have the bug. Now I have the fly. I'm gonna uh -oh. I'm gonna have to go uh -oh. clean. I'm gonna have to go clean my reel up, take the take the rod and reel out of the case, and make sure my line doesn't have salt all over it. Get everything cleaned up because you can't learn on dirty equipment. And so you're gonna you're probably gonna have to go buy you some new line. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, can can, can I make one? It. It's been like two years. Oh, you but, just grease it up nice. If I, can I make one final note? Yeah, man. I really want to thank both of you uh, for inviting me on the show. I mean, I listen to you guys all the time when I'm driving around to work, fishing, whatever. I mean, this is a huge honor. And I was more than glad to say yes when you invited me to do an episode. But I really want to say that I think you guys are doing something extremely special for the kayak and fishing community. I mean, I, re I really mean that. There's nothing else like it out there. I don't care. Search. Do whatever you want because I have. I'm like, hey, this got to be something better than Platter's, Paddler's Playbook, and there's not. I mean, listeners, make sure you're following this podcast. And please give Paddler's Playbook a follow on social media at Instagram at Paddler's Playbook. I mean, more amazing episodes to come, right, guys? More I like episodes, it. More amazing reels. Um, forget about Facebook, though, man. I'm not on that thing anymore. I didn't even mention Facebook. That's just. Uh, <laughs> I like it. He That's... did. He he did my whole plug for the end of the show. Hey, you can, oh, you can tell. I'm sorry. You can no no no. You can tell Nick is a listener because he just plugged everything that we usually plug at the end of the show. <laughs> so now I don't have to do it. We don't have to do any of that. All I'm gonna say is get on YouTube at the Palace Playbook there and make sure we get some subscribers i want to send out another prize pack some real sportswear goodies some pure fishing goodies some ack goodies i still have the goodie bag over there in my closet that i need to send some stuff out <laughs> I, i'm getting the itch now it may be a little late now i, I will admit this our, our last giveaway 
I, I may have procrastinated a Blake, little bit. We're really sorry, bud. Yeah, Blake, it will be there. It should be there Wednesday. I procrastinated for about a week, and then a once-in-a-hundred-year ice storm came in, and I had to procrastinate all that week, so I am very sorry about that. But if we get our 100 subscribers there on YouTube, we will send something out to you guys. Chris, man, you got anything you want to end with since Nick already did everything that we need to do for the end of this show? Bro, I'm ready to freaking fish. Let's do it. Next week, man. Next week, we will get out on the water. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you get out on the water. We look forward to meeting a lot of the bro staff very, very soon. For Drew and Chris, we'll see you guys later. See you. Peace!